Some further details in relation to the Badri companions who I have been mentioning, after which the series on the Badri companions which I desired to present will be completed. In relation to Hazrat Amir bin Rabi'ah, may Allah be pleased with him, it is recorded that his father's name was Rabi'ah bin Kaab bin Malik. There are also several narrations which he related. Abdullah bin Amir bin Rabi'ah relates on the authority of his mother, Hazrat Umm Abdullah Layla bint Abi Hathma, who states, We were departing towards Abyssinia, and whilst Amr bin Rabi'ah had gone to carry out a certain task, Hazrat Umar, who at the time was still a polytheist, appeared and stood before me. We were subjected to grave difficulties and cruelties by him. Hazrat Umar told me, O oh, Umm Abdullah, are you leaving? I replied, Yes, by God we are going forth in the land of Allah until he grants us ease. You people have caused us so much pain and subjected us to so much persecution. Upon this, Hazrat Umar said, May Allah be your protector. She says, On that day, I heard a tenderness in Hazrat Umar's voice, which I had never heard before. Thereafter, Hazrat Umar left and he was saddened by our departure. She then says, Suddenly, Hazrat Amir returned from his business. So I said to him, O Abu Abdullah, did you just see Umar and his tenderness and grief? She must have informed him. Hazrat Amir replied, Are you hopeful that he will become a Muslim? I answered in the affirmative. Thereafter, Hazrat Amr said, The donkey of Umar Khattab can become a Muslim, but the man you just saw, I, Hazrat Umar, will not accept Islam. Hazrat Layla says, Hazrat Amr said this out of despair, which was developed from the persecution and cruelty that Hazrat Umar put him through due to his acceptance of Islam. Hazrat Abdullah bin Amr bin Rabi'ah relates from his father 
The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, dispatched us for the expedition of Nakhla, also known as the expedition of Abdullah bin Jahash, which took place prior to the Battle of Badr. With us was Hazar Amr bin Suraka, who was slim and tall. En route, he felt severe starvation. As a result, he arched up, was unable to continue with us and fell over. This was his state of starvation. We then firmly tied a rock to his stomach and back and he was able to carry on with us. We reached an Arab tribe which accommodated us. Thereafter, he went forth and said, I used to think that a person's legs support the stomach. But in reality, a person's stomach supports the legs. When a person is in a state of hunger, starvation and weakness, then they are unable to walk. Hazrat Abu Umama relates that on one occasion, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, dispatched Hazrat Amr bin Rabi'a and Hazrat Sahal bin Hunayf on an espionage mission. In 8 Hijri, Hazrat Amr bin Rabi'a took part in the Battle of Salasil, in which his hand was struck by an arrow, causing him to be wounded. Abdullah bin Amr relates on the authority of his father, Hazrat Amr bin Rabi'a, that once the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, passed by a grave and asked who it belonged to. The people answered that it was the grave of such and such. He then said, Why did you not inform me? The people replied, You were asleep, so we did not deem it right to wake you up. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated, Do not do this. You should call me for the funerals. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, then assembled Rose there and performed her funeral prayer at the grave. Abdullah bin Amir relates that his father, Hazrat Amir bin Rabi'ah, said, Whenever the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, used to dispatch us for any expedition, we would only have a sack of dates by way of provisions. The leader of the armour would distribute a handful of dates between us until bit by bit it got to the point of handing out a single date at a time. Then they would slowly but surely start to finish, whereby every individual would only receive one date. As Abdullah states, I said, O Father, how could a single date suffice you or fill your stomachs? He replied, Son, do not say such a thing, for we only learned its importance when we did not even possess that. Ask those who are starving what the importance of a single date is. When Hazrat Umar turned out the Jews from Khaybar and distributed the land in the valley of Qura, Hazrat Amir bin Rabi'ah was amongst those who received a parcel of land. Hazrat Amir accompanied Hazrat Umar, may Allah be pleased with him, when he went to Jabia, a settlement in the outskirts of Damascus. According to one narration, Hazrat Amir was holding Hazrat Umar's flag. 
Furthermore, when Hazrat Uthman, may Allah be pleased with him, set out for Hajj, that is the pilgrimage, he appointed Hazrat Amr as his representative or leader in his stead in Medina. There are disputes regarding the demise of Hazrat Amr bin Rabi'ah. According to some, he passed away during the caliphate of Hazrat Uthman, may Allah be pleased with him, while others say he passed away in the year 32 or 33 Hijri. Some even say that he passed away in the year 36 Hijri, while others state that it was in the year 37 Hijri. According to Allama ibn Asakir, narrations about his demise in the year 32 Hijri seem to be the most accurate. In the narration pertaining to his demise, it is reported that after the martyrdom of Hazrat Uthman, may Allah be pleased with him, Hazrat Amir remained within his home most of the time. The people had not heard from him until the day his funeral procession left from his home. Abdullah bin Amir narrates from his father, Hazrat Amir bin Rabi'ah, During the time of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, a man from the tribe of Banu Fazara married a woman with a dowry of two shoes. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, declared this marriage to be lawful. In other words, even a meagre dowry such as this was declared lawful. Abdullah bin Amir narrates from his father, Hazrat Amir bin Rabi'ah, that once during a journey, he saw the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, offer two voluntary prayers on the back of his she-camel in the night. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, continued to face toward the path of the she-camel. It is permissible to offer prayers toward the front of your mode of transport. As Amir bin Rabi'ah narrates, I accompanied the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, on a journey during a dark night. We stopped at a place where a person collected some stones and prepared a place for prayer, and we prayed at that place. In the morning we realized that our direction for prayer was opposite to the Qibla. We said to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, O Prophet of Allah, last night we prayed toward the opposite direction of the Qibla. It is said that upon this Allah the Almighty revealed the following verse, وَلِلَّهِ الْمَشْرِكُ وَالْمَغْرِبُ فَإِنَّمَا تُوَلُّوا فَثَمَّ وَجْهُ اللَّهِ That is, to Allah belong the East and the West, so whithersoever you turn, there will be the face of Allah. In other words, if you commit this on account of a misunderstanding, then there is no harm. It is quite possible that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, recited this verse at that time. It does not necessarily mean that it was revealed at that particular moment. Nevertheless, this is the narration taken from Hilyat al-Awliya. Hazrat Amir bin Rabi'ah narrates, that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, Whoever prays durood, that is salutations, upon me once, Allah sends salutations of peace upon them ten times. Thus, it is at your discretion to offer salutations of peace upon me less frequently or more. In another narration, Hazrat Amir bin Nabiriya narrates, that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, During the time that a person is offering salutations of peace upon me, Angels offer salutations of peace upon them. Thus, it is in the hands of the individual whether to offer more salutations of peace or less.
Next, I will speak about Hazrat Haram bin Milhan, may Allah be pleased with him. It is reported that Hazrat Haram bin Milhan did not have any progeny. Hazrat Abdullah bin Abi Talha narrates, Hazrat Anas told me that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, commissioned his uncle, Hazrat Haram bin Milhan, brother to Umm Sulaim, along with 70 mounted men to go toward Banu Amir. The chief of the polytheists there was Amir bin Tufail, who asked the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, to accept one of his three conditions. He said that city dwellers could follow the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, but the villagers would come under his leadership. He also desired to be successor to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, after his demise. Otherwise, he would attack the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, with an army of 2,000 men from Ghatafan. As a result, Amr fell ill with the plague at a woman's house. Amr said, I am afflicted with ordinary boils, the same that afflicted a young camel belonging to a woman from the progeny of Sulul. Bring me my horse. He mounted his horse and died horseback. His end has been mentioned right in the beginning of the narration. Furthermore, the narration mentions his tribe and states the Hazrat Haram bin Milhan, who was the brother of Hazrat Umm Sulaim, went to Banu Amir accompanied by a lame man and another man who was from a particular tribe. Haram addressed both men and said, Stay close to me, I will approach the people of Banu Amir first. If they welcome me with peace, follow behind me. But if they kill me, go back to your companions and inform them. Hazrat Haram went to Amir and asked, Do you welcome me with peace so that I can convey the message of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him? After saying this, they began to have a conversation. The people of the tribe signaled someone who approached from behind him and ambushed him by piercing his body with a spear. Hazrat Haram took the blood from his wounds and wiped it over his face, saying, Allahu Akbar, Fuztu wa Rabbil Kaaba. That is, Allah is the greatest. By the Lord of the Kaaba, I have achieved my purpose. The people then pursued the others and killed them and attacked the Qaris, those who had memorized the Quran, killing all of them except the lame man who had climbed the peak of a mountain. Allah revealed the details of this to us. Thereafter, the mention of these people concluded. The lame man announced, Tell our people that we have met our Lord. He is pleased with us and has granted us contentment. During that time, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, prayed against those people for 30 days every morning, namely the tribes of Ri'l, Dhaqwan, Banul Hiyan and Usayya those who betrayed Allah and the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. This is a narration from Bukhari. According to another narration of Bukhari from Hazrat Anas, he, that is Hazrat Haram, was attacked with a lance as opposed to a spear. In light of another narration, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, prayed against the two tribes of Banu Sulaim, that is the Ril and the Quran. For one month during the morning prayers, as Anas reports that this was the start of the Qunut prayer, a prayer offered while standing straight. Before this, they would not perform the Qunut prayer. Whilst mentioning the incident of the martyrdom of those who committed the Qur'an to memory and the spirit of their sacrifice, 
as a Muslim old may Allah be pleased with him states upon studying history we learn that the companions would go into war as though their martyrdom would bring them peace and contentment if they were inflicted with any pain during war they perceived it to be comfort and not pain thus throughout historical accounts we find countless examples wherein it shows that the companions deemed being killed in the way of Allah to be a source of contentment for them. For example, the Huffaz, those who have memorized the Holy Quran, who were sent to a tribe towards Central Arabia for the purpose of propagating Islam. Among them was Haram bin Milhan. When he went to meet Amr bin Tufail, the leader of the Amr tribe, the rest of the delegation remained behind. Initially, Amr bin Tufail and his tribes had openly welcomed him out of hypocrisy. However, as soon as he sat down and became comfortable and began preaching about Islam, a wretched individual indicated to his comrade, and an individual attacked Haram bin Milhan from the back with the spear, causing him to fall down. As he fell, the following words were on his lips, Allahu Akbar, Fustu Rabbil Kaaba. I, by the Lord of the Kaaba, I have attained salvation. Then these evil individuals surrounded the remaining companions and attacked them. Amir bin Fuhaira, the freed slave of Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, who was with the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him during the migration, was also among this group of companions. In fact, his killer who later accepted Islam stated that the reason he accepted Islam was because at the time he killed Amir bin Fuhaira. Amir spontaneously said, Fuztu wallah, that is, by God, I have attained my objective. These incidents prove that instead of being a source of sorrow for the companions, death was a source of happiness. Then, as a Muslim Allah says, that some people came to meet the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. I will leave this extract and present the extract of Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib, may Allah be pleased with him. Mentioning details about this incident, Hazrat Mirza Bashiruddin Ahmed Sahib states, This is a rather detailed incident. Bara Amiri, who was a chieftain of the tribe situated in Central Arabia, known as the Banu Amir, presented himself before the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, in order to meet him. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, very gently and kindly conveyed the message of Islam to him. And at the outset, he also listened to the address of the Holy Prophet with interest and attention but did not accept Islam. Albeit he submitted to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, send a few companions along with me to Najd, who can travel there and preach the message of Islam to the people of Najd. I am confident that the people of Najd will not reject your message. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, I do not trust the people of Najd. Abu Barah responded, Do not worry, I guarantee their security. Since Abu Barah was a chief of a tribe and was an influential man, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, took his word and dispatched a party of companions towards Najd. This is the narration as it is related by history. It is narrated in Bukhari that a few people from the tribes of Ril and Dhaqwan, etc., which were branches of the renowned tribe known as the Banu Sulaim, presented themselves before the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and claimed to accept Islam. Then they requested that a few men should be dispatched along with them to assist them amongst those people of their nation who were enemies of Islam. 
There is no elaboration as to the nature of this assistance they requested, missionary or military. In any case, they requested for a few people to be sent with them for assistance. One prospect for the reconciliation of both these narrations is that perhaps Abu Bara Amiri, chieftain of the Amir tribe, also came along with the people of Riyal and Dakwan. And he spoke to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, on their behalf. As such, according to the historical account, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, I do not trust the people of Najd. To which he responded, Do not worry, I give you the assurance that your companions shall not be harmed. This indicates that the people of Riyal and the Quran had also come with Abu Bara, and the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was concerned on their account. Wallahu alam. Allah knows best. In any case, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, dispatched a party of companions under the leadership of Mundir bin Amr Ansari, may Allah be pleased with him, in Safar for Hijri. These people were mostly from the Ansar and totaled 70 in number. And almost all of them were Qaris, i.e. they were well versed in the Holy Quran. They would collect wood from the jungle by day to make ends meet and would spend a better part of the night in worship. When these people reached a place known as Bairi Ma'una, which was named as such due to a water well, an individual named Haram bin Milhan, may Allah be pleased with him, who was the maternal uncle of Anas bin Malik, went forward with the message of Islam to Amr bin Tufail, who was the chief of the Amr tribe and paternal nephew of Abu Bara Amiri. The rest of the companions remained behind. When Haram bin Milhan arrived to meet Amr bin Tufail and his followers as an emissary of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, at first they warmly welcomed him in their hypocrisy. But after he had been fully seated and made to feel at ease and began to preach the message of Islam, a few evil ones from among them made a signal to someone who struck this innocent emissary with a spear from behind and put him to death there and then. At the time, the following words were on the tongue of Haram bin Milhan. Allahu Akbar Fustu Rabbil Kaaba. Allah is the greatest. By the Lord of the Kaaba, I have attained my objective. Amr bin Tufail did not suffice upon the murder of this emissary of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him alone. As a matter of fact, after this, he incited the people of his tribe, the Banu Amir, to attack the remaining party of Muslims as well. But they refused and said that they would not attack the Muslims due to the guarantee of Abu Bara. Upon this, Amir collected the Banu Ril, Dakwan, and Usayya, etc., from the tribe of Sulaim, i.e., the same tribes who had come to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, as a delegation, according to the narration of Bukhari, and attacked this small and helpless community of Muslims. When the Muslims saw these bloodthirsty beasts racing towards them, they said, We have no quarrel with you. We have only come with an assignment from the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. We have not come to fight. But they did not listen to a word and murdered them all. Among the companions who were present at the time, only one individual was spared, who had a limp and had managed to climb to the top of a mountain. The name of this companion was Ka'ab bin Zayd. From various narrations, it is ascertained that the disbelievers attacked him as well, due to which he was wounded. The disbelievers left him for dead, but in actuality there was still life in him and he survived. Two individuals from among this community of companions had separated from the group at the time in order to graze the camels, etc. And their names were Amr bin Umayyad Amri and Mundir bin Muhammad. 
When they looked towards their camp, lo and behold, they sighted flocks of birds flying overhead. They understood these desert signs well and immediately deduced that a battle had taken place. When they returned, this atrocity of carnage and massacre perpetrated by the roosters' disbelievers lay before their eyes. Upon sighting this scene from afar, they consulted one another as to what should be done. One suggested that they should escape immediately and reach Medina in order to inform the Holy Prophet, peace and message of Allah be upon him. The other one, however, did not accept this proposal and said, I shall not flee from where our Amir Mundhir bin Amr has been martyred. Hence he proceeded forward and was martyred in battle. The other, whose name was Amr bin Umayyah Damri, was taken captive by the disbelievers. They would have perhaps murdered him as well, but when they found out that he was from the Mudar tribe, according to the custom of Arabia, Amr bin Tufail cut off his forelocks and set him free, saying, My mother has vowed to release a slave from the Mudar tribe and therefore I set you free. In other words, from among these 70 companions, only two survived. One was his very Amr bin Umayyah Damri, and the second was Ka'ab bin Zaid, who the disbelievers had left in the belief that he was already dead. Amr bin Fuhaira, the freed slave of Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, and a pioneer devotee of Islam, was also among the companions who were martyred in the incident of Bir Ma'una. He was slain by a person named Jabbar bin Salama, Afterwards, Jabbar became a Muslim and states that the reason for his having accepted Islam was because when he martyred Amir bin Fuhaira, he uncontrollably called out, Fuztu Allah, by God I have attained my objective. Jabbar states, upon hearing these words, I was astonished that I have just murdered this person and he says that he has attained his objective. What a peculiar thing indeed. As such, when I later inquired as to the reason for this, I was informed that the Muslim people considered the sacrifice of their lives in the way of Allah as being the greatest success a person can attain. This left such a lasting impression upon my disposition that ultimately this very influence pulled me towards Islam. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and his companions received news of the incident of Rajir and Bir al-Mauna at more or less the same time. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was deeply grieved by these incidents to the extent that narrations relate that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was never so deeply grieved by anything before or after these events. Undoubtedly, for approximately 80 companions to be suddenly murdered by deception, especially such companions who were Hufad of the Holy Quran and were from a poor and selfless class of people, was no small event, even by the standards of the barbaric customs and practices of Arabia. For the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him personally, this news was no different than the loss of 80 sons, rather even more so. The reason being that for a spiritual man, spiritual bonds are far dearer to him than the worldly relations of a worldly man. Hence, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was deeply grieved by these tragic events. But in any case, Islam teaches patience. Upon hearing this news, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. After this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said the following words, Hadha amalu abi bara' wa kudukuntu lihadha karihan mutakhawwifa. This is a result of the action of Abi Bara', for I had disliked sending off these people and was apprehensive of the people of Najd. Then there is mention of Hazrat Sa'ad bin Khawla, may Allah be pleased with him. 
He belonged to the tribe of Banu Malik bin Hassel bin Amr bin Lu'ay, whereas some historians have stated that he was the confederate of Banu Amr. He was originally of Persian origin and was from those tribes that later settled in Yemen from Persia. Amr bin Sa'ad narrates on the authority of his father, Sa'ad bin Waqqas. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, came to visit me when I was unwell on my deathbed during Hajjat al-Wada. I said to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, O Messenger of Allah, my illness has become severe, as you are aware. I am wealthy, but my only heir is my daughter. Should I give two-thirds of my wealth away in charity? The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, replied, No. I then asked, Should I give half? The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, replied, No. You may give one-third away, and even this is a substantial amount. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, It is better for you to leave your heirs prosperous as opposed to leaving them in a difficult situation, whereby they would have to beg from others. And whatever you spend out of your wealth for the sake of attaining Allah's pleasure, you will certainly receive a reward for it, to the extent that even if you put a morsel of food in your wife's mouth, you will receive a reward for it. The narrator then said, O Messenger of Allah, will I be left behind by my comrades? I will he die there? To this the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, replied, You will not be left behind. Rather, whatever good deeds you do in order to attain the pleasure of Allah, you will attain a greater rank by means of it. It is possible you will remain, I live for a long time, whereby some people will derive benefit from you and others will be harmed because of you. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, further stated, O Allah, fulfill the purpose of migration for my companions and do not let them turn back owing to it. The narrator then states, However, poor Sa'ad bin Khawla, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, consoled him because after the migration, he passed away whilst he was in Mecca, visiting. In one narration, it is mentioned that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, used to express his regret over the fact that Sa'ad bin Khawla passed away in Mecca. This was because the Holy Prophet did not like for anyone who had migrated from Mecca to remain in Mecca beyond the time they spend in performing Hajj or Umrah. Ismail bin Muhammad bin Sa'ad narrates that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, ordered Sa'ib bin Umair al-Qari that if Sa'ad bin Khawla passes away in Mecca, not to bury him in Mecca. And according to another narration, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said regarding Hazrat Sa'ad bin Abi Waqqas that if he passes away in Mecca, do not bury him in Mecca. On the occasion of Hajjat al-Wada, when Hazrat Sa'ad bin Khawla passed away, at the time of his demise, his wife was pregnant. It was not long after his demise that she gave birth. The child was born soon after his demise. And according to narrations, it is stated that it was 25 nights after his demise, or even sooner. When the Nifas, 40 days after childbirth, period finished, she purified herself after childbirth. She adorned herself in anticipation of receiving a marriage proposal from potential suitors. A man from the Bani Abdiddar named Abdul Sanabil bin Bukakik came and asked her, What is the matter? I see that you are dressed up. Perhaps you intend to marry? By Allah, you cannot marry until four months and ten days have passed by. 
Subaya states, When he said this to me, I changed into my evening attire and went to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and inquired about this matter. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, gave the edict that it became lawful for me to marry after the birth of the child, and if I wished, I could get married. One can understand certain matters from these incidents. The next companion is Abu Haytham bin At-Tayyihan. His brother's name was either Hazrat Ubaid bin Ubaid or Hazrat Atiq bin At-Tayyihan. And it took part in the Battle of Uhud. In one narration, it is mentioned that Abu Haytham asked, I am among the first to pledge allegiance. How should we pledge allegiance? The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, replied, Pledge allegiance to me in the way the Bani Israel pledged allegiance to Moses, peace be upon him. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, appointed Hazrat Abu Haytham and Hazrat Usaid bin Hudayr as guardians for the Bani Abdul Ashhal tribe. In battle, he would have two swords, hence, he was known as the Saifain, the one with two swords. Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmad Sahib, may Allah be pleased with him, has written that he was martyred in the Battle of Sifin whilst fighting on the side of Hazrat Ali, may Allah be pleased with him. The next companion is Hazrat Asim bin Thabit. One of Hazrat Asim's sons was Muhammad, who was born to him from Hind bin Timalik. With regards to those people who were close to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, during the Battle of Uhud, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV, may Allah have mercy on him, expounded upon a verse in which he said that Imam Razi, may Allah have mercy on him, has mentioned the names of 14 people about whom it can be said with absolute certainty that they were around the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, in the battle and did not leave him under any circumstances. From those that are mentioned, the names of the Muhajirina, Hazrat Abu Bakr, Hazrat Ali, the Shias allege that it was only Hazrat Ali, nonetheless it was Hazrat Abu Bakr, Hazrat Ali, Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Auf, Hazrat Saab bin Abi Waqqas, Hazrat Talha bin Ubaidullah, Hazrat Abu Ubaidah bin Al-Jarrah, and Hazrat Zubair bin Al-Awwam. From the Ansar, it was Hazrat Khabbab bin Mundir, Hazrat Abu Dujana, Hazrat Asim bin Thabit, Hazrat Harith bin Asimma, perhaps it was Hazrat Sahal bin Hunayf, Usaid bin Hudayr, and Hazrat Saad bin Mu'adh. May Allah be pleased with them all. It is also mentioned that there were eight who swore to fight until death, three of whom were among the Muhajireen and five were from the Ansar. It is interesting to note that not a single one of them was martyred. This is proof of how Allah the Almighty safeguarded them through extraordinary means. The next mention is of Hazrat Sahal bin Hunayf Ansari, may Allah be pleased with him. Hazrat ibn Abbas narrates that on the occasion of the Battle of Badr, there were a hundred camels 
and two horses with the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Hazrat Miqdad bin Aswad was mounted on one of the horses, and Hazrat Mus'ab bin Umair and Hazrat Sahal bin Hunayf were mounted on the other. The companions of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, would take turns to mount on the camels. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, Hazrat Ali, Hazrat Marthad bin Abi Marthad Ghanawi, who was a confederate of Hazrat Hamza bin Abdul Muttalib, would all take turns to ride on one of the camels. Hazrat Sahal bin Hunayf is also mentioned amongst those companions who remained close to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, during the Battle of Uhud. Yusair bin Amr narrates that he once went to Hazrat Sahal bin Hunayf and requested him to narrate a hadith which he had heard from the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, regarding the Hururiya group, i.e. the Khawarij. Hazrat Sahal bin Hunayf stated, I will narrate to you only that which I heard and nothing else. I heard the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, mention a group of people who will emerge from him and he pointed towards the direction of Iraq. Though they will recite the Qur'an, it will not go beyond their throats. They will leave Islam just like an arrow pierces through the prey. The narrator states that he asked whether the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, mentioned any sign to recognize them and he replied, This is all I heard and I cannot tell you anything more than that. I have narrated to you all that I had heard and you can figure it out yourself. Umair bin Sa'id narrates that Hazrat Ali led the funeral prayer of Hazrat Sahal bin Hunayf and recited out loud the Takbir five times. Upon this, the people asked as to why Takbir was recited in this manner. Hazrat Ali stated, This is Sahal bin Hunayf, who was among those who took part in the Battle of Badr, and the people of Badr have a distinction over the others. Hence, to make this distinction clear to the people, I recited the extra Takbirs. Next is the mention of Hazrat Jabbar bin Sakhr. The expedition of Hazrat Ali to Banu Tay took place in Rabi'ul Akhir 9 Hijri. In relation to this, it is written that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, sent Hazrat Ali, may Allah be pleased with him, along with 150 people to Banu Tay in order to destroy the idol Fuls. The area of Banu Tay was situated in the northwest of Medina. For this expedition, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, gave Hazrat Ali, may Allah be pleased with him, a large black banner and a small white flag. Hazrat Ali, may Allah be pleased with him, attacked the people of Hatim in the morning and destroyed the idol Fuls. Hazrat Ali, may Allah be pleased with him, returned to Medina with a great deal of wealth taken from the Banu Tay as spoils of war, and also many prisoners. During this expedition, the flag was carried by Hazrat Jabbar bin Sakhr, may Allah be pleased with him. In this expedition, when Hazrat Ali sought advice from his fellow companions, Hazrat Jabbar bin Sakhr said that they should travel on their mounts through the night and attack them first thing in the morning. Hazrat Ali approved this suggestion of his. It is narrated by Hazrat Jabir bin Abdullah that he was stood to the left of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and the Holy Prophet placed him on his right side. Then, when Hazrat Jabbar bin Sakhr came, the Holy Prophet placed both of them behind him. In another narration, it is mentioned that Hazrat Umair bin Abi Waqqas was martyred by Amr bin Abdi Wud. Whilst, according to another narration, Hazrat Umair bin Abi Waqqas was martyred by 
Ahsan bin Sa'id. The mention of Hazrat Jabbar bin Sakhr has come to an end. And now details regarding Hazrat Umair bin Abi Waqqas will now be mentioned. A narration which had not been mentioned previously in relation to him was that he was martyred by Amr bin Abdiwud and according to another narration, he was martyred by Ahsan bin Sa'id. In another narration, it is mentioned that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessed of Allah be upon him, sent Hazrat Qutbah with 20 other people in 9 Hijri towards a branch of the Khasim tribe which lived near Tabala. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, commanded them to launch a sudden attack. These companions left on ten camels and they would take turns to ride upon them. On the way, they took hold of a man and started to interrogate him and he began to act as if he was not able to speak. Then all of a sudden, as soon as he found the opportunity, he began to scream in order to alert the people of his tribe. Upon this, they killed this individual. Hazrat Qutbah and his companions then waited and when the people of that tribe fell asleep, they launched a sudden attack against them. A fierce battle ensued and men from both sides sustained wounds. Hazrat Qutbah killed many of their people and then returned to Medina with their cattle and women. After taking out a portion of the hummus, each person was given four camels and in that time each camel was worth ten goats. Imam Baghwi states, the Hazrat Qutbah bin Amr did not narrate any hadith. In any case, the series on the companions I wish to mention has come to an end. And with this, I would like to remind everyone to pray for the Ahmadis in Pakistan. Pray that may Allah the Almighty create ease for them, as they are currently facing very difficult conditions. May Allah the Almighty grant wisdom to those who are responsible for upholding justice, law and order and also those who are perpetrating cruelties in the name of Allah and His Messenger, or for them to be seized by His wrath. Also pray for the members in Burkina Faso, as they are still passing through difficult times as the terrorists there are still perpetrating cruelties in the name of Allah and His Messenger. Also pray for the members in Algeria, as certain government and legal officials are carrying out injustices against Ahmadis. May Allah the Almighty keep everyone in His protection, particularly focus on prayers and giving alms. May Allah the Almighty protect everyone from the evil ploys of the enemies. After the Friday prayers, I shall lead some funeral prayers in absentia. I shall mention their details. The first mention is of respected Muhammad Rashid Sahib Shaheed. He was the son of Chaudhary Basharat Ahmed Sahib of Gatriyalla in the district of Gujarat. On 19th of February, two opponents of Ahmadiyyad came into his house and fired shots at him and martyred him. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. Surely to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. At the time of his demise, the deceased martyr was over 70. According to the reports, respected Muhammad Rashid Sahib was on his own in his house in Gatriyalla. Gujarat. He had a free homeopathic dispensary in his house for the benefit of the local people in his village and nearby area. Two young men from the local village entered into his dispensary with the excuse of seeking medicine and fired shots at him. It is said that the one who fired the shots was a Hafiz al-Quran, i.e. a memorizer of the Holy Quran, and the bullet from his gunshot hit respected Muhammad Rashid Sahib in the forehead.
and he passed away immediately. After the incident, the assailants fled from the scene. An assistant of the deceased arrived a few minutes later and reported the incident to the local police station. It is also reported that one of the assailants, who was the Hafiz of Quran, his body was found in a nearby field and the police are also investigating his death as well. The other assailant has been arrested by the police. At least in this case, the police have arrested the assailant. Ahmadiyyat entered the deceased martyr's family through Hazrat Munshi Sultan Alim Sahib, who was a companion of the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, and also lived in Gutriyalla, Gujarat, and was a teacher at a local school. He had the honour of travelling to Qadian and pledging allegiance at the hand of the Prime Society, peace be upon him, in 1906. After completing his matriculation exams, he, the deceased martyr joined the army. However, he left the army after a few years and moved to Norway in 1984 or 1985 with his family for some time. Despite acquiring Norwegian citizenship, he returned to his ancestral village in 2008 and will often travel back and forth. Along with the landowner, he started a free homeopathic dispensary in his ancestral village to serve the local people, which continued until the end of his life. By the grace of Allah, the deceased martyr was a Musi, an attester. At the time of his martyrdom, he was serving as a secretary Islahu Irshad in Gotriyala. He was a very sociable and loving person. He treated everyone as his own and had a friendly relationship with them. His passion for serving others was a salient quality of his. Irrespective of faith, he would render financial and moral aid to those in need. He loved Khilafat. Hospitality was a distinct quality of his. He was especially at the forefront of serving any guests from the headquarters. He was regular in offering prayers. From time to time, he would arrange a free medical camp in the area. His nephew, Rafi Ahmed, who is a missionary in Ivory Coast, says, The deceased martyr was loved by everyone along with brimming with passion to serve others. He was also an excellent caller unto Allah and was extremely magnanimous. Allah the Almighty had granted his efforts the ability to heal. He regularly listened to the Friday sermons and with great care. Recently, the deceased martyr's wife, Parveen Akhtar, who is in Norway, saw a dream that the deceased martyr was being attacked and someone was trying to take his life. Hence, she asked him to remain vigilant. The deceased martyr is survived by his wife, Parveen Akhtar, who is living in Norway, two sons and five daughters, one of whom lives in Pakistan while the others live in various countries. The missionary in charge of Norway, Shahid Mahmud Kalon, writes, He was an extremely kind and simple person. He would help people in Norway by providing homeopathic medicines. He had been living in this village in Pakistan for approximately 12 to 13 years since his retirement and serving people there. During this period, he would visit Norway from time to time as well. Allah the Almighty had blessed his efforts with the ability to heal. He was always ready to help the sick and would even deliver medicine to their homes. His wife was from among his relatives. She had not initially accepted Ahmadiyyad. However, she did not oppose her husband. In fact, all of their children were married into Ahmadi households. The last time he visited Norway in, o in October 2018, he helped his wife do the birth, that is the initiation. He would say that the very purpose of his visit was so that his wife could do the birth. He would say, 
There is a great deal of opposition in Pakistan and I even receive threats. However, there is a great deal of poverty there and so people cannot purchase medicine. Poor people can receive free treatment because of me and I am able to help them. I do not fear death, for it is meant to come one day. Ahmadis still render service to humanity there and do so fearlessly. May Allah the Almighty grant forgiveness and mercy to respected Muhammad Rashid and grant the deceased martyr's family patience and forbearance. The next mention is of two people. Respected Amani Bassam Ajlawi and Salah Abdul Mu'in Kutaish from Iskandarun, Turkey. The missionary and president Sadiq Sahib writes, As a result of the two large earthquakes in Turkey on 6th of February 2023, two Ahmadis, a mother and son, also lost their life. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajun. Verily to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. Aside from them, the remainder of Ahmadis generally remained safe from the earthquake, barring minor injuries. Of the two who passed away, one was a 23-year-old Syrian woman named Amani Bassam Ajlawi, who was from the Iskandarun Jamaat. She was the wife of Abdul Mu'in Kutaish and the daughter-in-law of respected Salah Kutaish Abu Khalid, president of the Iskandarun Jamaat. Amani Sahiba accepted Ahmadiyat about two months ago along with her husband. Her father-in-law, respected Salah Kutaish, said that just a day before the earthquake, he asked Amani whether she had informed her family that she had accepted Ahmadiyyad. To which Amani Sahiba said that she had indeed informed her parents about her acceptance of Ahmadiyyad. Salah Sahib said that Amani Sahiba was very pleased at the fact that her parents had not shown a harsh reaction upon learning of her acceptance of Ahmadiyyad. Her three-year-old son Salah also died. Inna lillahi wa inna rajiun. Very to Allah we belong, and to Him shall we return. They were both caught beneath the rubble and were taken out two days later, by which time they had lost their lives. Amani Sahib is survived by her husband, respected Abdul Mu'in Kutaish, and six-year-old daughter, Abira. Shamsuddin Balabari, the missionary in Kababir, says, Amani Sahib and her husband Abdul Kutaish's family migrated to Turkey from Syria. Amani Sahiba was a very sincere woman who was given to service and remained content. Upon learning about the importance of doing bayat, she did not hesitate in taking the oath of allegiance. In fact, she also encouraged her husband and brothers. He continues, My wife tells me that she specifically noticed that the deceased remained united with her in-laws and treated them with great love and affection. She was extremely happy on the day she did the bayat and she bid us farewell with great sincerity. May Allah the Almighty treat them with forgiveness and mercy. The third mention and whose funeral prayer I will offer is Maksud Ahmad Munib, a missionary who passed away on 15th of February due to a heart attack at the age of 53 years. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. By the grace of Allah the Almighty, he was a Musi. His father, respected Jodhri Jan Muhammad, accepted Ahmadiyyad in 1974. He graduated from Jami Ahmad al in 1991 with a Mubashir degree. He then served in various cities in Pakistan under Nazarat Islam Irshad Murkaziya. 
from 1998 to 2006. He had the opportunity of serving in the East African country of Kenya. He then returned to Pakistan and had been serving these days as the missionary in the district of Quetta. He is survived by his wife, a son and two daughters. The Nazir Islahu Irshad has written that he was sincere and devoted in his work and that he was a very hard-working missionary. Abdul Wakil, a missionary in Quetta, writes, He had a great deal of respect for life devotees. If the deceased did not know something, he would not hesitate to ask me, even though I was much younger than him in age. The deceased spent some time in Kenya, and he would always make some mention of Kenya in his conversations. The people of Kenya had found a place in his heart. The deceased would often say that the people of Kenya were at the forefront of showing sincerity and showed a great deal of love. Fareed Mubarak, who is the Qaid Majlis, writes, He was extremely pure, pious, devoted, ever ready to sacrifice himself for the sake of the Jamaat and possessed profound love for Khilafat. He continues, When I learned that a very senior missionary was being posted in Quetta, I became very happy because this is what the Jamaat in Quetta needed. He says, He won me over in our very first meeting. The day he delivered his first sermon at the mosque in district of Quetta, he was complimented by every person who heard it. He was very hospitable. He would invite everyone to visit his home and would fully serve them. The passion which he had for the Jamaat was apparent in his eyes. Whenever he delivered a speech, it would be so full of passion that tears would flow from the eyes of those listening. He would take part in events and tours and would strive to instill concern for the Jamaat in the hearts of everyone he met. He possessed a vast treasure of Jamaat knowledge. He was extremely humble, the likes of which I have never seen in my life. He then says, During the previous Friday prayer, the day before he passed away, there was a unique glow emanating from his face. When I looked at him, I said to the missionary in the presence of Nazim Umumi that he was looking exceptionally handsome that day. We had no idea that this would be his last Friday. It was after this that he passed away. May Allah the Almighty grant him forgiveness. Alhamdulillah, من يعده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هو 